A one, a two, a one, two, three, four! Music at a rational volume. Hey everybody, thanks for clicking the button for Music at a Rational Volume Podcast. I'll be as host, Nate. And I'm Kyle. Nate, how's it going tonight? Pretty good, man. Uh, what do you want to talk about this evening? Tonight we are starting a new series called Worth the Hype. This album is really that good. So it's album, a working title. Yeah, it's. we'll figure it out eventually. But for tonight, <laughs> we want to know if this album is really good, as everybody says. We are talking about the 1976 or so fourth album by Rush 2112. Nate, what's your relationship with this record? Uh, really, my Rush fandom was very limited to the handful of ones that you'd hear on uh, classic rock radio. Sure. Tom Sawyer's and Red Brecta and Barchetta, whatever the stupid song's called. Limelight and all that. Got it. Limelight. Sure. Uh, and then you and I started hanging out and... I think we're going to a movie or something, and you're like, "Hey, listen to this record," and you were starting to tell me about it, and it 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 sparked no interest whatsoever in me. <laughs> so, twenty one twelve, yeah. Okay, but I, I have I have known several Rush fans since, and it is weird to me how many of them love this record, and not just like you know, happy to have it in their collection or whatever, but like. Or go to bat for it like it is something magical to behold. So I think that's why we're, we picked this one. It's because I think we both like Rush a lot. I mean, or I should say, there's a lot about Rush that we do like. Right. Um, but this one, I think, fits in that. Is it really as good as they say? Well, and the thing, I've got like seven or eight Rush records, including 2112. And I got to admit, I bought this because everywhere you go if you listen to prog if you listen to metal if you you know if you grew up in the 80s like i did this was one of those records that the really cool in the know fans and the rush fans were well yeah of course this is one of the the pillars of the of the rush community you had to have this record like all right cool i'll buy it and i'll try it because they didn't play anything on the radio nothing from this ever got played but it looks cool the album cover is great and I, like you said, I like a lot of things about Rush. I like some of their music. There's not too many. I don't know if there's any album, though, that I can put on and listen to the whole the thing all the way through. Right. Kind of like with Megadeth. But it's, um, yeah, but the, the people that really like this, and it's not just people like me that bought it because, well, everybody said it was cool, so yeah. let me try it. They're, the people that like it, really really like it one of them being your ed robertson from bare naked ladies is a 2112 apologist so yeah i think uh the thing about this album is that it is so beloved by so many people that we had to take a look at it to see if it it holds up at least our standards um if you're unfamiliar with this album uh it is influenced by the writings of Anne rand and the album features the sidelong title suite based on a future galaxy-wide Star War, resulting 
in the union of all planets under the rule of the red star of the solar federation by 2112 the world is controlled by the priests of the temple of syrinx who determine the content of all reading matter songs pictures and every facet of life uh that was from the band website I, that kind of sums it up for me if that if any of that piques your interest at all you will like the lyrics of the song it really does i mean it, you know i'm Coed in Cambria basically made a whole career out of doing stuff like that. And maybe because Rush was doing it first. And Rush had done a couple of other sidelong, yeah. you know, I mean, the one before this, Crest of Steel, had the final I'm an That album tanked really hard. Yeah. So it was yeah, yeah. You're right. kind of brave or stupid that they would do it again. Because really, I don't see a lot of difference in, in those two. But this one, for whatever reason took off i mean not huge i mean even by 77 it had gone gold you know now it's gone triple platinum i think a lot of it's word of mouth and but it it was not a, a giant yes. juggernaut but it kept them um kept them afloat kept them going yeah well the the label begged them not to the label was like please don't do another concept record but the band was like no we're gonna do what we want to do and you know, damn the man. We're going to do whatever we want. So I don't think it can be overstated. They were going to be dropped. The manager and their record producer flew to Chicago and went to Mercury Records and talked to him and said, you know, whatever they say, we need more commercial stuff. You bet. Yeah. We're going to do that. Are you going to have hit record? Yep. We're going to make it. We're going to do hit record. So they did enough just to let them make one more album. And they made, it said, you know, we're going to do what we want to do. And if we have to go back to Canada and, you know, go work for our dads or whatever, then that's what we'll do. It really was kind of that desperate. It's not yeah. like they're going to go unsigned to somewhere else, make or break. This was, they would have been like the average white band or all these other talented bands that put out records just didn't sell enough and had to go and do something else. Yeah. It's just sad, I think, you know, for me and my know-nothing opinion, um, that they got this that close to being dropped and everything just because they couldn't pull their head out of their own. It, it sounds pretentious to me, that looking back at it and going, you thought you were going to do the same thing you did last time and get a different result, you know. But um, it worked out for them. It is, you know... They managed to to make it happen and, and catch lightning in a bottle, as it were. And there there are some catchy things about this record. So they, I, I don't want to say they're wrong or that the the people who like this record a lot are wrong, but it's just kind of an interesting decision to go this route. Well, let's let's just jump into it. Let's start with the songs. Then twenty one twelve, which is side one, starts with an overture, which some would say is really pretentious, but it is a prog record, so. You know, and they do put a little it is very proggy. overture yeah. in there and, um, you know, some clever stuff. But um, this one's okay. I kind of liked the overture. It's the sound effects and the space stuff and uh, the the musicianship in it is really cool. So I thought it was good. I gave it a B plus. Yeah, so did I. I think there's a reason they do in the concerts, the overture and the Temples of Syrinx together mm -hmm. as kind of a song. Yeah, because these two pieces 
are really good together and it and that makes for a really good song the problem is that there's still 15 minutes longer to go <laughs> after that's done right so with part b or two or whatever the temples of Syrinx, this one is a really rock song this yes, one's it cool is. getty's vocals are really high and screams and this is from the voice of the of the priests of the temples of Syrinx, and they're pissed off and they're like, this is where the bear craps and you know and they're really laying it down the line of how how the law works in their town planets or whatever <laughs> yeah i think uh, we're pretty in line on these first two i, get I think we both a- gave b pluses to the overture and we're both in the a range on, on the temples of Syrinx. so i think starting off this record these two pieces are really really good so i think you know if if nothing else that's what saved them is these two were kind of special they should have put that out um to radio and they didn't i think so they chose something they went a different route but that's what i would have done that's i think the best song on the record so i think you're right the next part part three or c whatever discovery where it's just behind this waterfall and he goes into this cave and finds this old relic. It's a guitar and suddenly he learns how to teach himself how to play it and freaking dogs attacking me right now. I'm going to get, uh, anyway, I'm going to have to put him out soon, but yeah, it's, it's this little fountain thing that they, it doesn't sound good and Ged's vocals sound terrible. And I kind of hate the song. I didn't see it's, yeah, it's snoozy, particularly after kind of the the first two parts that are rocking. I don't know. I to me, as a uh, as the spouse to someone in uh, in musical theater land, it sounds like a bad attempt at a jukebox musical. It, it sounds re- like I use the word amateurish, and I, I I really think that's probably pretty ap- appropriate. Yeah, I um, like it. Yeah, we were both in the C range. You give it slightly less of a good score. Yeah, mine was a C minus. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but it is interesting know. to note when Rush does play this. Generally, they don't play Discovery, and uh, they don't play Oracle of the Dream when they do the twenty one twelve part because it really right. just slows it all down. So. The next part, he gets his guitar. It's called Presentation. He shows, presents this to the priests, and he thinks they're going to be, you know, super pumped about it. And they're like, um, no, it's trash. Yeah. It's just getting kind of silly. I don't love this whole, you know, rock music has destroyed mankind, like in Mr. Roboto. And so it's been outlawed. And it's kind of cartoonish to me. I don't. A little bit embarrassing, maybe. I don't like it. I gave it yeah. part a D. <laughs> I liked it a little bit better. I think there there's more to like, in my opinion. Although it, it does start to bring in the Mr. Roboto angle, uh, which I that that's the prog rock that I hate the most. And it, it really, it's like a bad rock and roll footloose. It feels very much like, no, son, you can't dance in this town. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, no. That's, um, you know, and I've listened to some stuff that people are embarrassed about, but I'm like this, I I just don't like the song. So, anyway, Oracle, the team, 
is the next part. Now this one I liked. It sounds a little more like Rush, proggy, and there's a lot of guitar, and Ged really belts it out. And, yeah, um, it's just a better tune, I think. I gave it. A yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, a B minus. So I, I gave it a slightly higher grade. I like this one a lot. I think it could have been its own thing, and and could have stood on its own a lot more. Um, but you you stick it between presentation and soliloquy. I could barely keep my eyes open. Hang on one second. <laughs> and Kyle's dog is terrorizing his bedroom. His sheets are being torn off the bed. The dog is going outside. He's directing my stuff. Anyway, soliloquy. Is that where we're at? Soliloquy is where we're at. I like the music. Alex's guitar sounds really good on this. Um, but, uh, you know, it's okay. I gave it a B. Yeah. I was less favorable with that. It, th- this is kind of where it loses me. I, I, just, I, I think it's unnecessary drop in, like, in every aspect of it. Not that it's bad. It just makes me lose the connection. Because it, it certainly is a lesser than the Oracle, and it's also certainly less than the grand finale. And, uh, yeah, C+. Well, then the grand finale's next. I thought the music is really kicks butt. I liked it um, just kind of a, as a musical piece. It's not really a song, just these three dudes. And then at the end, of yeah. course, I don't know. Then one of these things I read, the kid in the story kills himself in soliloquy. I don't know. And, but then at the end, these people that he... Re- Is that what happens? Really? That's that's what I read somewhere. I didn't, didn't hear that from the band. But a lot okay. of this stuff can be interpreted different ways, I think. Oh, like sure. In the grand finale, these people come and you know, we have assumed control. So what I think is, it, is this a better like regime coming in? It's It's still people assuming control. They're taking over for these other people is that a better system or not i don't know but it doesn't sound yeah. like freedom but i mean you got to do something eventually you got to put something out so Weird. i i don't know man <laughs> but that's well i gave it a b plus i i liked it as as a button um i i don't understand the we assumed control because it's not really clear who the who the other side is it just it, kind of the overlords and then this dude who finds the guitar well in the dream he's kind of dreaming about a, a better society and there was people that once lived here that got away and you know they're living somewhere else and learning and growing and they're going to come back and take their homeland back i think it's something like that and okay once assuming control and we're taken back and once i don't know who cares it could be <laughs> Whatever you want, you know, and I don't want to be a rush fan going out there. Oh, you guys know nothing. Well, clearly we don't. We readily admit that we don't know what this is about. But um, you know, you can debate that all day, I suppose. So <laughs> now we flip to the second side of the record, and it is completely different. I'm not yes. sure why they choose to do this rather than do an entire concept album. I don't know, but. Uh, Passage to Bangkok starts it off. What did you think? Uh, it's fine. That was really I, cold. There, there are parts I really, really liked and parts I really, really hated. So it kind of is a wash to me. Um, yeah, some of the, 
yeah, like I said, some of it's great, and I want to concentrate on that, but uh, B minus. Yeah, I gave it a B plus. It's clever, if not subtle lyrics. They talk about different places in the world. You can buy the best hash or weed or whatever it was they were smoking at the time. And Ged and Alex, you know, they admitted, you know, that's kind of what they did. They weren't into hard drugs, but they drank and smoked and you know, that touring with Kiss and whatnot. But, um, you know, they, they meant it to kind of be funny and, you know, they do have a sense of humor and they have some sort of clever, perhaps racist, you know, oriental musical notes in it. It's yeah. fine. I think, just think it's okay. It's a uh, it's a filler tune, mm-hmm. if you ask me. Yep, no, I agree. But probably the best one on this side. So, but anyway. uh, I don't, I don't know. I think there's a strong chance you might be right, but I think I like um, another one better. And we'll get yeah, to that. We'll get to that. So the next one's the Twilight Zone. Um, it is not this one, by the way, if you're wondering. Did you like this one? Uh, it's slightly less fine than A Passage to Bangkok. But I don't know. I'm not sure what the appeal was in this one. I don't know why they decided this would be the single. I don't know why uh, it, it did anything. It's niche, to say the least. You know, it has the creepy whispers and the haunting lyrics, and th- those are interesting. But if you're trying to sell records and you're trying to, like, you know, please the people and have some mass appeal, it, it's not the way to sell this record. I don't. Like, yeah, if you make this the album track and it's song, I don't know, I guess five out of six, like, that's probably fine. But. Yeah, put your best foot forward, and this it's that's not it. I think it's not very good. I think I gave it a C. It's a novelty record, you know. Yeah. If if this was a B side of a single that like a non-album track, oh, that's kind of fun. It's a little different, you know. It's it's weird, but if you're gonna do Twilight Zone song, I just thought they should have done. They did two episodes. I thought maybe the third verse should have been a third episode. I don't know. Maybe. But um, it's, you know, it is Twilight Zoney, and they they hit those notes correctly, I think. Yeah. But it's kind of a boring song, really. I don't love it. I don't love the tune itself. So, see. But it's not the worst song on this side, so. No, for sure. <laughs> All right, the next uh, one, Lessons. You really lessons. like it. Yeah, this might be my favorite song on the record. Um, it sounds very of its time. It feels like it could have been a Boston tune or like, I don't know, pick any other band, you know, around at the time. Um, I think Getty sounds really good in this record, particularly has a tendency to sound really shrill. Uh, but you know, but this, this track was good. I, I liked the accessible upbeat nature of it. Um, and the lyrics aren't crazy. The lyrics aren't like I, I don't have to work that hard to like it. Um, and it's also you know less proggy and less like you know sticks. Yeah, this is one that Alex wrote. I believe the whole thing by himself. So he definitely wrote the lyrics, and I think he did everything. But so it is the Alex yeah. song. But I just think it's okay. I gave it a C. It's just kind of one of those songs. It's not great. Um, Sorry, I'm fighting my dog here. He's trying to climb on my lap for some reason. Um, it's just okay. I absolutely do not 
love it, but um, it was okay. Yeah. Uh, number five, Tears. Uh, this is Kyle's favorite song. Oh, wait. Nope, the other thing. It's really not. I kind of hated this one. This is Getty's song. He wrote the whole thing, I believe. I hate the minor chords. I hate the flute. I hate the strings. Bland 70s schmaltz. Sounds like something that should have been on the the Love Story soundtrack. <laughs> so, fighting my dog here. Sorry. It's just really, <laughs> really bad. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate it as much as you did. Uh, I still gave it a C minus. Uh, in when I was listening to it again, uh, to kind of give it a score. It reminded me a lot of cheesy, uh, like made-for-TV movies. Yeah, exactly. And not even like the good ones. Not even like Hallmark. These are like Cinemax ones, where like you know, the spunky but naive girl from the country moves to the big city. <laughs> like, if it, it would fit right in in a in a in a crappy like you know, excuse to show some boobs movie. Oh, no, I was thinking more of a Hallmark kind of a, you know, love story kind of. Uh, Either way. I did not. Not exactly what you want from a rock and roll band. No, I just don't know why it's on this record at all. It makes no sense. And I'm like, yeah, to me, it's a throwaway song. And why you put it on this supposed masterpiece, I don't get at all. But Anyway, mercifully, the number six song on here is Something for Nothing. It's a good tune. I liked it. Certainly fits in better than the other four on track or on uh, side two. Yeah, I thought it, it had kind of a 2112 vibe, you know, about uh, standing up and, you know, if you're going to get something done, you got to get up and go do it. You can't just wait for it to happen. And so, to close out, I thought that's cool, but again, probably would have worked better if this was a concept album. Yeah. Rather than just kind of pasting it on the end of side two with a random bunch of not great songs. So, yeah. I don't know, man. Go all in. If you're going to go, do it. Yeah, I thought they should have done that too. Just do the whole yeah. concept album. You know, but they didn't but it seemed to work generally for most people not really for me yeah well i think uh me too in the final analysis uh the uh the grade point average uh was actually the same so some things we liked more than you know each other and vice versa but uh we all ended up with a c plus average yeah, he gets a C plus. So twenty one twelve, you know, maybe with some summer classes they can get into a state school. But right now, um, they'd be going to a JUCO, or I don't know. Just they're, they're going to need some. Their job. They're going to need a tutor, some student loans. I don't know. Maybe trade school. May, I think trade school might be where they're going. It just doesn't seem like it's for them. But it's just I, no. I mean, is this worth the hype? Was the question at the beginning? No, I don't think it is. Not for me. No. Now, if somebody else likes this record, that's that's fine. Um, you know, we certainly gave it a try. I don't know how many times I listened to this record this week, and I I bought the album. I've tried listening before. I've 
watched a lot of uh, videos about this. There's a, uh, a classic albums video. I think it's on Amazon where these guys and a bunch of other people talk about 2112 and, and it's talked a lot in their really good documentary um, beyond the lighted stage. I, I just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, neither uh, to me, it just doesn't add up. And you know, in terms of the hype, yeah, no, I, I don't think it passes muster for me. Like I, I think if this was recommended to me back in the day and you know, I might've been like cool record, you know, I'll, I'll wait till they put out a three minute, you know, rock tune that I, that I enjoy. And um, did. But in terms, luckily that this did succeed because, you know, we got spirit of radio and we got subdivisions and distant early warning and Tom Sawyer and resist and all that stuff. Yeah. We got that because this record succeeded. <laughs> if it didn't, they would have been done. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You wouldn't have gotten any of that other stuff. So there would have been a lot different musical landscape. So I'm glad it, it worked for that reason, but yeah, it uh, certainly was enough. Yeah. Yeah. And because you can hear the core and the, the bones and foundation of a great rock and roll band. And because yeah, the musicianship is there and, and Getty is a very unique voice and it power and kind of soul in it. And you can hear the, ex- and you know, those things all together really make for a great band and would eventually make them legends. Yeah, the flavors are all there. It's just not quite uh, not quite a whole cohesive thing yet. And I just have to, to say, I love Neil Peart. Like, he's the best drummer, like, I think. I mean, everybody's got their own opinions. And I love his intellectual curiosity, but he goes way off the reservation for me on this one. Uh, <laughs> but... I do like it way better than that sticks crap. Um, I think uh, Syrinx can take Roboto behind the woodshed any day of the week. Uh, if we're going, you know, comparing, I'd rather do Roboto. I would. You would. I mean, Roboto and Don't Let It End are catchy tunes. 2112 doesn't have any of those. I don't know. I think I just hate sticks, and so that just bleeds through. Okay, well, that's not really what we came to do today is to crap on sticks, but <laughs> any opportunity I get. They're both very good bands, and whether you like them or not, you have to admit that the musicianship is great. But I don't yeah, have to go. dragged into this, but we did both mention Roboto, which is weird. But um, twenty one twelve, um, I guess I would leave it. I, I don't like it. I still own it. I'm going to keep it, and you know, I may come back to it again and try it again but right now and this isn't the first time i've heard it so um yeah i if you guys love it great keep it up but um i don't think it lived up to the hype yeah kind of right there with you so anyway let us know what you think if you can find us because apparently <laughs> i don't know how you're gonna do that but <laughs> just yell really loud I don't know. We do have some socials out there. I don't know if they're active at all, if they've been taken over by. I'm I'm sure I would get notifications if anybody did anything. Anyway. Okay. uh, um, Give it a shot. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) All right. Till next week. We'll see you guys later. See ya.